Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, October 15, 2012, and today we're reading from the big book. We're in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 44 at the bottom of the page. Today's readers are Fran, Carol, Judy, and Penny. And OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Katie to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Katie, a compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I will now call on Melanie to read the Twelve Traditions. Melanie, press star one to unmute, please. Thank you so much. Good morning, Leah. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service. My name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater calling in from Minnesota today. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. 
a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Melanie, you'll need to press star one again to unmute, please. Is everybody still there? Correct. Continue with Tradition 8, please. Thank you. Tradition 8, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name might never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 44 at the bottom of of the page. And I will ask Fran to begin reading, please. Thank you. Good morning. This is Fran Compulsive over here, and I know it. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life was sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. 
Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? And I pass. Thank you, Fran. Would anyone like to comment on what was read? Hi, this is Kim. Kim, please go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed us utterly. And said here, you know, if we could have used this philosophy, many of us would have recovered long ago. That's why I didn't understand. Everyone kept telling me, you know, push away from the table. Just get a little willpower. You can do this. And I tried for so many years. I tried everything. Anything anyone suggested to me, I would try. I would try this diet. I would try this gym. I would try this this self-help book. I would try this philosophical idea. And I could wish to be moral. I could wish to be philosophically comfort, but it didn't work. Because I didn't understand that I had a disease. I had an allergy that once I ingested those foods, it didn't matter how how much I wished to be moral. It didn't matter what my moral codes and philosophies were. That allergy demanded that I have more and more. The same way if someone has an allergy to strawberries and they break out in a rash, if I went to that person and gave them strawberries and said, don't you dare break out in a rash, I wouldn't think that they're weak-willed. I wouldn't think that they could philosophically decide not to have the rash. My human resources were not sufficient. And it wasn't until I came to that conclusion that I could realize there had to be something outside of myself, outside of my willpower, outside of all these manipulations that I was doing that could help me. You know, so I had to get to that point where I had to understand that my human resources failed me utterly. And what I did is I waited for that 0.01% where I thought it might be working, and I clung to that for dear life. But when I really looked at it over my whole history, I had to realize that my human resources were not sufficient. And from that point, I could then look for a higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Star one to unmute. Come on in. This is Sarah. Hi, this is Sharon. I hear Sarah and then Sharon, I believe. Mm-hmm. Good morning. This is Sarah, compulsive overeater from New York. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. You know, before the food, when life became, you know, just can become so overwhelming, the things that that drove me to the food. It wasn't always the food itself. It was the circumstances that, that drove me to the food and, or, you know, or to the decisions or to the, to the way I treated people or um, to, to the external circumstances that made life overwhelming. And I, and I knew and it's like, it's like, I'm a good person. I know, I know the right thing to do. I'm a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. I know the right thing to do. 
but you know it's like but my thinking alone like someone in program reminded me is that my own human mind and my own human will will not give me the power necessary that i need to overcome those circumstances to overcome where those circumstances drive me to for, to for that sense of ease and comfort for that desire to to just alleviate some of the pain or overwhelm i need to have a power greater than myself i need to let go and surrender my will my human power my human aid to some to to that power to god who can who's so much greater than my human my own human limited limited capacities and my own limited humid human will and you know i could cling to these things with all my might but if i don't have that the human that power wasn't there unless i can have that power that's so much greater than myself and with that i'll pass thank you sarah and sharon please good morning this is sharon recovered compulsive overeater lack of power that was our dilemma in step 1 we talked we we identify our problem we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable so the lack of power that was our dilemma how do we get that power we were powerless we had to find a power by which we could live and it had to be obviously obviously it obviously had to be a power greater than ourselves because if it wasn't greater than ourselves then we ourselves would continue to run the show and run it right down into unmanageability again. Also, when I look at this, I need this this paragraph. There's a couple of things that that first I have a lack of power in terms of my compulsive overeating. But in step one, it says that I was powerless to control my eating, and I also am powerless. It resulted in unmanageability in my life. So when I come to recover, not only do I need recovery from food, I need to learn how to uh, create a life that is manageable. I need to bring rain my life back in, gain control in my life. So I need this power that we're going to talk about and that we're all going to discover for ourselves. I need this great power, this power that's greater than myself to restore me, my sanity, so that I can uh, no longer be driven by compulsive overeating. And then I need that power to help me to reconstruct my life so that my life is manageable and I can live happy, joyous, and productive. I can live free and I can uh, get to that place where I am being of love and service to those around me. And that is my great hope. And that, that brings me out of hopelessness 
and out of despair into joy and happiness and contentment. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Anyone else like to comment on what was read this morning? Good morning, Leah. Penny E. Penny E., please go ahead. Good morning. Penny E., recovered compulsive overeater. This is such interesting stuff because we're reading from we agnostics. And so I'm looking into my dictionary here, and it says, one who believes the existence or non-existence of God cannot be proven or known. A person unsure that God or that God exists. So here it's telling us, these are for people who are not really sure God exists, but here it's telling us that we must, we must find a power greater than ourselves. You know, they're, they're really hitting home this idea, the need the need for a power greater than ourselves. Uh, so it's really interesting because uh, the answers are into the book. It tells us loud and clear what the problem is. Even if we don't have a, a higher power, uh, we still need to find that higher power. So um, anyway, that's it. Thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you. Anyone else on what was right? This is Victoria. Please, Victoria, go ahead. This is Victoria, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, This passage has a lot of personal significance for me because from very early in life, I had a deep desire to find a God that felt real and alive to me. And while there was a church God, I, at a certain point in my life, because of, I was well into compulsive eating by that time, because of the despair that I felt, um, because of the meaningless of life as I was living it, my sense of a real God, a living God, a power I call God, um, but that was bigger than any word I could come up with, slipped away from me, and I couldn't, I couldn't find it again. And like this passage says, I looked for the next best thing, which I thought would be in a good philosophy um, that would give meaning to my life, Um, a code of living that would bring goodness into my life. But because I I had an out-of-control compulsion to eat, Um, every attempt to build up a good life um, was pulled down again by this disease that I couldn't control. And the longer I lived that way without a real living power that I could count on, the more angry I became that there wasn't a power like that around. And And the world was filled with problems that obviously this power wasn't able to solve and wasn't able to set right. So I was in a dilemma because I had a problem, a disease, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind that I was powerless over. And I needed a power that wasn't on paper. It couldn't be an on-paper power. It had to be real, it had to be alive, it had to be a power I could lean on. And 
it was only through finding that power, which, thank God, this program has allowed me to do, that I could find a way of living which was more incredible than anything I could have imagined. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Victoria. Anyone else? It's Monica. This is Nicole. Monica and then Nicole. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. So the big book here has been teaching us here in early chapters up to now that, you know, all my, all the self-knowledge in the world wouldn't do it for me. We'd learned that from the stories of Jim and, and Fred. All my willpower in the world didn't do it for me. My determination didn't do it for me. And now they're saying my code of morals and philosophies didn't do it for me either. I used to remember every morning I would get up and I would pray, God, help me be good today. Of course, good meant help me follow my diet today. And that never worked. That did not work. I didn't take actions, but... Our human resources marshaled by the will, brought together by the will, were not sufficient, were not enough. They failed us utterly. So what I'm trying to get at here is everything that I try, that we try as human beings, our willpower, our determination, our, our education, our moral ideas, our philosophical um, ideas, um, just don't work against this disease. We had... It's just not sufficient. It's not enough. And so their big book is trying to show us, I need a higher power. And they're not trying to prove that, there's a, you know, that God exists. They're just trying to show me that there's where my need comes from, that I need a power greater than myself because nothing else has worked. Lack of power. That was my dilemma. So then that means I've got to find a power that's greater than me. And but where and how were we to find this power? I like that last sentence here. They're offering they're gonna offer us some hope here. They're gonna give us some information on how I'm gonna find this power. And these people that wrote this have experienced this. They know there is a higher power. They have found a higher power. So a lot of hope here. And with that I pass. Thank you, Monica. And now Nicole, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning to you. Good morning, Visions to you. This is Nicole, a gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. Um, this paragraph, when I reread it, it reminded me of something that we had read 20 pages before. In fact, it's my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the big book. And on page 25, and there is a solution, it says, we have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. And so when I read this chapter, the beginning of We Agnostics, and it starts to talk about power, I just can't help but to think of the analogy of being rocketed into a fourth dimension. You know, I can only imagine the scientists um, that created a rocket 
and philosophically and intellectually, it seemed like it would work. But until that very specific rocket fuel was put into that rocket, um, that rocket was going nowhere. You could have even tried to put a lesser grade fuel in, maybe of our human effort, um, car gasoline, and that would have still gone nowhere. But in order to be rocketed into that fourth dimension, we need a power much greater than ourselves. And, you know, I, I think of God as that rocket fuel. He's, he, it's, he's just, when you see a rocket take off, it inspires us because it is so dramatic. And, you know, the other thing that I think of, too, is that in order for that rocket to be thrust forward, it has to expel a lot of stuff backward. And um, to me, that just reminds me of just going back and with God just expelling so much stuff. And that is the exact thing that propels us um, to that place that we can that we can call heaven. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Nicole. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I kind of wanted to... Uh, take a look at lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Lack of power. I have to know what my problem is. I got to be very, very clear about that. Lack of power was my dilemma. I suffered from a soul sickness. It manifested itself in my mind and in my body. It was kind of like a gangrene of the spirit. Um, and I had to be relieved. We had to find a power by which we could live. And I'm just focusing in on that, by which we could live. <laughs> we had to find a power by which we could live. The big book is not simply recommending a food plan for me. Um, it's not simply recommending a relationship with God to free me from the bakery box. It's more than that. It's arguing that I have a need uh, for me to stop living by my self-propulsion and start living by God's intention for me, by a power greater than myself. Um, you know, it's essentially saying here, by which I could live. I had a problem with life. Food and weight were not my problem. I had a problem with life. I was not comfortable walking on this planet. It caused me pain. <laughs> it caused me pain. And because of that pain, and because of that restlessness, and because of that irritability and discontentment, I sought the ease and comfort of the contents of a, of a bakery box. But essentially what this is telling me here is my problem is less the bakery box than my selfish and self-sufficient ways, because those self-sufficient ways have closed the channel to God. It has blocked me from God. It has separated me from God. So the bottom line is that food really emerges as just a symbol of my separation from God. Because what is my solution? My solution is God. So if my solution is God, if my solution is power through God, then obviously my problem is separation from God. My problem is not food. My problem is not uh, Captain Crunch and, and Cocoa Puff. <laughs> my problem is that I can't walk this planet without the comfort and the protection and the safety and, and, and the love and embracement of God. 
And in order to recover, it says, we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. My solution is going to be to forge a relationship with God, to rightly relate myself to God, to seek his protection, not the contents of a cellophane bag in a bakery box, but to seek the ultimate protection and comfort to have something immeasurable and indestructible in my life, not a substance that I'm consuming. So it makes it very clear. I've got a bigger problem than I thought when I came. And with that, I pass. Anybody else want to comment on what was read so far? This is Janet. Go right ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, all I need to do is look at my own past, look at my own history to see if this is true for me because that's the beauty of what we're reading here. That's the beauty of looking at this big book and being able to identify in, you know, is this true for me? Was I always looking looking for some code of morals, for some philosophy, for some way of living that would relieve me from this disturbance that I seem to have all the time, all the time. And it was that disturbance that led me to put my hand into that cellophane bag and into that bakery box and into that carton and not be able to stop. You know, yes, Am I like these people they're describing? Do I have this physical allergy of my body? But even more important, do I have this obsession of my mind? And do I need to be relieved of that in order to live? And yes, I could keep saying yes. Yes, I am like these people. Lack of power, lack of power, lack of power had always been my dilemma. And I had been seeking that power and didn't even know it and didn't even know it and was helpless and hopeless without it. But what a wonderful thing spelled out for me so clearly that these people had found a way out and so could I. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. We're going to move on to the next paragraph now with Carol P., please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, A Vision for You. My name is Carol. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. That means we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God, for we have reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. I mean, I'd like to share on that. Um, and that's exactly what I thought when I, first of all, I really didn't understand what's the God thing have to do because, you know, I just need to lose some weight here. had no idea what that was. And and um, I didn't have a good idea of uh, what God was when I came into the rooms because of 
uh, you know, just some childhood uh, things that I'd went through, and so my concept wasn't good there, and um, I really didn't want to talk about that. I thought God had failed me, and, you know, the truth was that I had shut God out of my life because um, he didn't do what I wanted. But I love it as it talks about that, um, you know, that the main objective, of this book is to to enable you, me, all of us individually, to find this power that's greater than ourselves. Because um, I was playing God, and I wasn't doing a very good job of it. I just made a mess of everything. And that this is going to solve my problem, not just put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound, not just, you know, help me lose some weight until after a reunion or a wedding or an event going to solve this problem, that I don't have to go from diet to diet, um, and just the madness that all that that has, so, and uh, thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Carol. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Monica. Please go ahead, Monica. Thank you, Leah. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. And I was told that this is a manual of direction. You know, this is a textbook. It's a manual of direction. It's going to tell us exactly how. How we're going to find this, this object, this aim, this purpose, this goal is to enable me to find a power, to give me a means, the ability, the opportunity to find a power greater than myself, which will solve my problems, which will solve your problems. I got this sentence circled, starred, highlighted, just so important, you know, and how much hope here. And then the other thing I wanted to bring out in this paragraph is that from this point on in the big book, we are going to see the word God being used. They talk definitely about God from this point on. And there's no beating around the bush now. The word is God. It's not higher power spirit or whatever. It's God. And I just, uh, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else? Star one to unmute. Hi, this is Randy from the Florida Keys. It's your turn, Randy. Okay. <laughs> um, well, this is my first time sharing on this meeting, and um, yeah, I this is so this this chapter is is just fabulous because when I first came into recovery, um, I didn't believe in God. I had no God because um, my father died, and I I blamed it on God, and um, and so it took me quite a while uh, when I first got into OA to. Um, gain that, you know, take gain that back and, and the trust and the faith um, that God, you know, being believing in a God or in God that um, helps me daily, and um, the uh, the tools I didn't I didn't have the tools. That's when my eating, you know, the compulsive eating started because I didn't know how to deal with those feelings of his death and you know. It was just devastating, so I kept eating, and I kept eating to 
you know, trying to quench that pain, but it didn't work. And until I surrendered and turned my will over to God, um, I could not get abstinent. And so I'm so grateful uh, for this this meeting and for uh, the program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Randy. Anyone else? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning again, Leah. Good morning, everyone. But where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Well, I thought I came to LA to lose weight. I mean, that's why I came. It's I had this food issue, and once I had this food issue, because the only problem was that you know I was fat, and once I wasn't fat, all the world's problems was going to go away. So it's saying here that finding this higher power is what this is all about. And that's exactly right. You know, that's why all these 12-step programs that we have, alcohol for cocaine, for food, for shopping, for debting, for gambling, the only step that mentions our substance, mentions where we go to when we are afraid, is step one. After that, it's all about getting back to God. It's all about finding that power greater than ourselves. So that's why these programs work in a variety of different situations. Because our problem, our greatest problem is we are separated from God. And since we are separated from God, we have this mental obsession that is overpowering that keeps bringing us back to whatever substance we go to when we are afraid. You know, so that's what this book is about. You know, we have the OA 12 and 12. We have the AA 12 and 12. We have a lot of nice literature. And it's very interesting. You know, it's a lot of its reflections on people's experience working the steps. But the only book that has directions. The only book that claims to produce recovery is the big book. And it says why? Because this is exactly what this book, this is clear cut directions. And what you'll notice too, this was pointed out to me, as of page 45, which where we're on, we're going to stop talking about the food. We're going to stop talking about the alcohol because the premise is the food is down. We've admitted we're powerless. We're going on to finding that power. So we're not going to talk about food. We're not going to talk about what it's like to be in the food because we've put it down. And that's so essential. We have to be powerless. We have to put the food down. And then we start to walk through these steps. And what these steps do, exactly what this book is going to do, its main object is to enable you and me to find a power greater than ourselves which will solve our problems. Not a temporary respite. It will solve our problems. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Leah. I love that they are once again going to point out that there were those who didn't think this could possibly be their solution. You know, they'd be talking to a man, they'd been explaining he like and he could identify and they tell him that yes there was this allergy of his body and he's you know they're saying here's a man his hopes start to grow saying yes I'm like these people yes they're like me yes I've been there before yes I know what they're talking about and then they tell him that it's a spiritual program and then they tell him 
that he has to find this power greater than himself, and it's going to be God. And his hopes are dashed because he thinks, that couldn't be me. That couldn't possibly be me. Not a God of my understanding is going to be the answer here. And perhaps speaking to the atheist and the agnostic in this chapter is exactly what a lot of us needed, what I needed, to begin to believe that this could be true for me too. If the rest could be true for me, if the rest of this information could be true to me, if the doctor's opinion could relate to my experience, and if I knew that, yes, I had this kind of thinking that they're describing, then why not this part? Then why not this part? That that power would also be available to me, that I would also be able to access this power. So they they dot all the I's and they cross all the T's in this big book by letting us know that we're not alone. It's a we program. And I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to focus on its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. I hope everybody uh, hears that message of hope and salvation that's here on this page. Its, its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Your answer lies in these pages, you know, because each page will bring about an experience that will take you on a journey of transformation. It doesn't say which will enable you to solve your problem. That's not what it's saying. Neither does it say which will help you solve your problem. It says which will solve your problem. You know, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. This is this is the real deal, you know. And and as was stated before, from page 45 on in the big book, it doesn't talk about alcohol anymore. The big book talks about one thing and one thing only. And for those of us who are powerless, and if you're real compulsive over ear like I am, you're powerless, how do you find the power? And if you can find the power, then the power will solve your problem. It's right here, and it's true. (laughs) And all of those of us that are recovered uh, should be living proof that this thing is possible. It says this last line, but his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God, for we have reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. This entire program is about changing our mind. If you had to boil it down to three words, change your mind. You know, this chapter, We Agnostics, agnostic meaning we without knowledge, is essentially to help people like me and perhaps you discard some old ideas and allow some new ideas come in. Because my best thinking got me to a place of being haunted and tormented by the disease. So, you know, how do you explain what can happen to those of us that were in the quicksand? This is about raising the dead. This is about 
someone like me and maybe somebody like you being so enslaved by compulsive overeating that through this program of recovery, I could rise up out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. This isn't a common experience. It's not. But it's our common experience. This is what has happened through these action steps in these first 164 pages. The power greater than myself has solved my problem. It's true for me. It can be true for you as well. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Susan from Florida. Susan, your turn. Thank you. Hi, Leah. Good morning, Vision, to you. I had an experience this past Saturday where a gentleman after the meeting came up to me and he said, I don't know what you're doing, but I like what I'm hearing. And this is a man and many others in the room during me who who hear me talk, but not to the depth that I can now speak about finding a power outside myself, which I choose to call God. I talk about the mental obsession, the physical allergy. God has done for me in the last uh, five months what no human power could have done for me in 30-something years. When my sponsor speaks of God, she always says to me, it's God, God, God. And, you know, sometimes I want to say, be quiet, be quiet. You know, I can't have a hand in it, but I can't. No amount of human power can relieve me of this obsession of the mind. And so many things have happened to me over the last uh, four or five months that if I sit down and write, which I do, and I look at all these things, I am so powerless over every single one of them. And I'm, I'm beginning to really like talking about God. Um, I used to think before that, you know, people would shun away from me. But I'm finding that people are hearing me. Not that I'm bragging, but I'm talking about how I've been relieved of a mental and physical obsession. And that's through not of my own power. That's through God. Thank you very much. Done. Thank you, Susan. We'll move on to the next paragraph now with Judy B., please. Good morning. This is Judy B., recovered compulsive overeater. We we know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We look upon this world of warring individuals warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet in other moments we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. And I would like to share on this paragraph. Right in the very beginning, it says, 
We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. And the we is talking about the 100 people who uh, penned this book, the 100 people who became recovered uh, in this program. And they're, they're telling us uh, they didn't always understand and believe in this higher power. They had doubt and prejudice. Some of them were even anti-religious. You know, the idea of God brought up uh, many, 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 many feelings of distrust and, and whatever for, for all of them. And, and, yet, and yet, they came through, you know, they, they, um, they let go of the doubts that they were having and the prejudice because, you know, they could see that it was working. This dependence on this uh, God was working. Um, and another part that I really like is we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. And, and we know today that, that those who truly depend upon this power, they are, they are living the life that, that we want. They are, they are being led. They are be, being given the direction and the power that will, will bring them to this new happiness. And so the paragraph is really telling us that, yes, you know, you may have doubts, you may have skepticism, you may have experiences which really, really uh, brought you to a point where you're just questioning, could, could there be this supreme being? And yet they're telling you that we, ha- we, had those, we had those doubts, those questions, those feelings ourselves, and we've, we've come to the other side. Uh, we have found something that works, and um, and you can too. And this is, and this book will bring us to that point where we where we have this power which will will lead us. And and we don't have to worry about our our um, our idea of God being just like anyone else's because um, God will reveal Himself to each of us, and uh, and we can just trust that we will be led and that we will know what to do in the next moment. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Anyone else on this paragraph? This is Nicole. Nicole, go ahead. Hi again, Leah. Hi, everybody. This is Nicole, gracefully recovering. Um, I just wanted to make a quick little point here where they said, um, we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak and even cowardly. And I know for myself, prior to um, discovering who God was um, many years ago, I used to think of people that had faith as they almost like needed a crutch that they would they were weak people and they needed a crutch and i would i would i thought i was very intellectual and very intelligent and very strong minded and i was and i thought well i can certainly do this life thing on my own i don't need a crutch like you do but if that works for you good for you well i soon found out that my legs were broken too and I needed a crutch as well. And 
it is not a cowardly or weak thing to rely on a crutch when you have a broken ankle or you need a crutch. It is it is exactly what's needed and it would be the most ridiculous thing for someone to walk around with a broken foot and not use a crutch. We would think they were absurd. So although I was never an atheist or an agnostic, I just um there were certain things that I just didn't agree with with uh with uh my faith and then when I encountered God myself, I quickly, quickly saw how I had a broken foot and I needed a crutch as well. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Nicole. Anyone else? It's Monica. Go right ahead. Thank you, Leah. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. And I looked up prejudice, you know, bias. Another word for old ideas. We have shared his honest doubt and old ideas. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him, which, which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. And that's the case for a lot of us. Our, our picture of God that we, that we have from our religious upbringing. Um, for a lot of people, it's, you know, he's not a loving God. He's a vengeful God. Um, you know, um, I heard one person say one day, you know, he was this guy with carrying a stick. Um, <clears throat> kind of scary sounding. Um, and uh, something that I really liked with this paragraph, we looked askance. And what does askance mean? Distrust. We looked at, at, with distrust at many individuals who claimed to be godly. And boy, that was Monica. You know, you started talking about God, or people started talking about God, and I just thought they were all fanatics. And uh, uh, that just um, irked me. But today, as a result of going through this process and changing some of my old ideas, my prejudices, and that's what this chapter is trying to get us to do, to lay aside the old ideas and have, you know, and start thinking about the possibility of some new ideas, that it is, it's God, it's God, it's God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else? Yes, Leah, Penny E., your turn. Penny E. Good morning, Penny E. Grateful, 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 recovered, compulsive overeater. We're talking about step two, right? Uh, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And what I'm looking at here is that we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and even express a willingness to believe, um, I took the first step. I knew I was powerless. I knew that there was nothing I could do. I'd done enough research. I had a Ph.D. times, you know, four. I knew I was powerless. I knew my life was unmanageable. Where else am I going to go? I don't have a choice. You know, I don't have a choice. It's just a natural progression. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. You know, I didn't disbelieve, but I didn't really believe. But uh, I came from another 12-step program, and they had a silly little saying there. Uh, you know, the, if you put your shoes under your bed at night, you'll get on your knees at night, and you can thank God for another day. And then when you wake up in the morning, you can get on your knees and get your shoes out from underneath the bed and say, please, God, for another day today, please, and I thank you. So, you know, I, I, I followed directions because I was sick. I'm dying. I, had, I, I wanted to recover. So I tried it. You know, I got on my knees, and I asked my husband 
higher power for another day of abstinence. And darn tootin' if I wasn't abstinent that night, you know, that day when I got on my knees. You know, just keep trying. I was willing. I was willing because I was desperate. I was dying. What else am I going to do but try and follow these directions? It, 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 it worked for so many people. It worked for 100 alcoholics, you know. So I did it again the second day, had another day of abstinence. I just kept trying. Then I began to thank God at night. I got on my knees, you know, and I started to believe. I really did come to believe as, as a result of, of experiencing it. That was the only thing I hadn't done to try and have a day clean with food, you know, follow a diet or whatever. Did everything else, but never asked uh, power greater than myself for help for today. So I, we are so blessed with this book. We are so, so blessed with this book, and I thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Penny. And thank you to everyone around the room who shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Penny E., would you read that for us? Thank you. Yes, yes. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.